Welcome back to Marvelous Movie Mondays. Every single Monday here on the Dill Pickle Movie Channel. Oh, that's not the name of it. The Dill Pickle Movie Network. It's a channel on YouTube and uh, on audio. Anywhere you can find podcasts. It's It's been a long week. I've been moving all week. Um, and that's why you may see a different setup right now. Uh, because I'm officially in my new apartment. Uh, this corner of the room that I have all my boxes in is going to be where I'm going to normally do the show. But for this month, I'm going to kind of do it here with my bed and my brick wall and closet in the background just because there's a lot of maneuvering to still do uh unpacking wise but kelsey's back in her normal space how are you kelsey i'm doing great jill how are you i'm great yeah as i said it's been a long week but um we're here and i'm excited i watch these movies today uh if you have not been keeping up with our x-men x may series it is actually june x june um uh but we have been <laughs> we have been talking okay. about x-men movies all may and again here in June until Loki comes out on Wednesday. Um, and we are going to be um, talking about the last two, the ones, the last two Fox films, the final Fox films, FFF. Um, and uh, depending on what Kelsey's score is, I don't know what it is yet, but it could be a big F for some of these uh, dark Phoenix and the new mutants. Yeah. Um, uh, but we don't, we don't know. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we do have Marvel news as always. Kelsey, how are you doing uh, just overall in life and any Marvel news you have to share? I have some personal news. Great, let's hear it. We always love um, personal news. You're, it's technically Marvel news. You're a Marvel podcastor, and you have news. So it's yeah, Marvel that's news. true. I went to the movies for the first time. Um, well, I went for the first time in March, but okay. I went for the second time since the pandemic without wearing a mask because wow. I'm fully vaccinated. That's great. Um, this you past week, I saw a Quiet Place Part Two. What'd you think? Loved it. Okay, great, great. job. I nice. think. I think it was great. Yeah. And I started your review on it, but then I had to run to work. So I didn't finish it, but I intend I say, to finish it. I was going to say, there's a card in the top right. Go click it. If you're on YouTube, go check out that review. If you're listening on audio, go check out the review on YouTube. Uh, I also enjoyed it. Spoiler alert for that review. I also enjoyed it a whole ton of a lot. Um, what did you see in March? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, I saw Chaos Walking, the oh. movie with Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley, because I read the books. Because, okay. And the books were phenomenal. And the movie, nothing like the book. <laughs> nothing <laughs> okay. like the book. I I think, I mean, I don't want to get too much into it, but I think get into they, it. it's okay. That, it's a podcast. Think, they want to hear you talk. Honestly, I have a theory because okay. um, I obviously, and I'm also wanting, uh, I love watching Marvel actors be in other projects. That's like one of my guilty pleasures is literally just sitting home wow. and scouring through a bunch <laughs> of like, uh, projects that the Marvel actors have been in because you know they're entertaining. I love watching them, so I wanted to see it obviously for Tom Holland. And I th I have a little bit of a theory because I have a feeling that this movie was shooting and in, in the process of being in production before the pandemic hit, and then mm -hmm. the pandemic hit, and I feel like a bunch of reshoots and rewrites had to happen to just kind of get it done. Uh -huh. Um, so that's how the movie felt anyway watching it because a number one it was nothing like the book the it's based <laughs> off a book 
of a trilogy. The, the trilogy is called Chaos Walking, but the first book is called The Knife of Le Never Letting Go by Patrick Ness. And I highly recommend these books because they're all about sci-fi action. It's like a, a semi-love story between these two characters, Tom Holland's character and Daisy Rid Ridley's character. Right. Um, and it just felt very rushed. Like they felt like they had to get it done and just, you know, get to the ending no matter mm -hmm. what happened. And <laughs> so I don't foresee this trilogy happening because the way that they ended the first movie just feels like, and that's the end. Yeah. And also with, you know? with the pandemic, it's like when these big movies do come out, when it's finally available in theaters, these should be big blockbusters. Like everyone right. rushed to see Godzilla vs. Kong. Everyone's going to quiet place, but no one went to see that. So I think it's just a, right. a testament to the quality and the word of mouth, uh, just how much interest really was there for it. Um, plus, two big I, actors too that's why i'm surprised two, like you know? they had a marvel actor and a star wars actor and like no one heard a peep about this movie unless you were like me and were a person who read the books so you know what i'll do kelsey this week i will watch it and then next week <laughs> when we get to to talk about loki we'll spend the okay. first 10 minutes talking about chaos walking uh because <laughs> okay. i am now intrigued because you know I think it'll be fun down the line when we don't have Marvel stuff to talk about. We took this time to talk about X-Men, something Marvel, but I think it'd be fun to kind of do like a Marvel, almost like a book club where we go into the other actors, filmographies, Work. even other directors. Like we look at some of Taika Waititi stuff, Chloe Zhao yeah. stuff, um, John Favreau's other stuff, like like stuff like that. I think that'd be really fun. Um, and yeah. it'd be fun to see what Tom Holland does elsewhere and what Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans have been doing other places also now that their Marvel roles are coming to an end. No, oh, yeah. So we believe. Um, I love that. So here's my Marvel news, and this okay. is actual Marvel news. This is not just like Marvel adjacent news, which we love. I love the Marvel adjacent news because it's, it's movie news and it's a Marvel actor. Um, the Avengers campus is officially open. Yeah. And it yep, is yep, an yep. exciting bit of news, and we are going to break it down now. In the thumbnail for the video, I will literally put and Avengers campus breakdown because there's a lot to break down. And I want to get into all of it. Yeah. Um, Someday, soon, someday, somehow, we will find our way there. But for now, we have to just be outsiders looking in. Yeah. Um, but the Avengers Campus, I have a bunch of pictures loaded and ready to go. We'll talk about it all. Uh, it started uh, literally on Thursday, June 3rd, for a big fireworks. See that fireworks celebration uh, yeah. for the first opening of Disney's Avengers Campus in Disney California Adventure, which is the uh, sister park to Disneyland in California. So you can only go to California to see this. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, a lot of familiar faces showed up on that first day. Uh, you see Anthony Mackie there in the middle, not the one dressed as Cap. Uh, mm -hmm. There's an actor playing Cap, and then next to him is Anthony Mackie. On the very left, there's Paul Rudd, uh, and then the Disney CEO, and then Kevin Feige is the one next to fake Cap, uh, fake real Cap, if you will, because uh, fake Cap <laughs> is John Walker. It's hard now with fake Cap, real Cap, Sam Cap. Cap. If you uh, will. Yeah, Steve Cap. Um, and then on the very end is the uh, director of the Disney Parks, uh, or CEO of Disney Parks. And then above, you kind of see a bunch of the other actors like Spider-Man, Iron Man. They're all standing up there on that balcony. Yeah. Uh, here's a closer shot of Paul Rudd and Anthony Mackie uh, being all funny. And then there's, of course, uh, Disney CEO. And then there's Kevin Feige again with the baseball cap. Um, so, Kelsey, let, uh, I have a bunch of other directions to go to. Do you want to go into the food first, the rides first, or the meet and greets? Um, As if okay. we're at, at the park. Where do we want to go first? Okay. Um, I think I'd, I'd have to check out the rides first. Okay, so there's only the one ride. There's only one ride right now, and it is called Web Slingers. And this is, you know, the Spider-Man ride. It's been hyped up. If you're not listening, if you're only listening and not on video, I highly recommend checking out the YouTube for this because uh, we're showing you a lot of good pictures. So it starts off with a 
uh, pre-show from Tom Holland. He's not <laughs> actually there. It is a Tom holograph, hologram, <laughs> uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with a bunch of those little spider bots. I actually didn't look into the actual ride itself because I didn't want to spoil what it is. Okay. But from my understanding is it's kind of like a mix of a 3D uh, kind of shooter game, web slinging game, and the, the car moves almost like a Toy Story Mania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've been on that or like uh-huh. Buzz Lightyear kind of thing. Um, something like that. Uh, but at the end, there's a little gift shop and you can buy your own spider bots. Uh, they're remote controlled too. Uh, you could literally move them around and, and bring them home and have them actually crawl around the place and crawl up the walls, which looks very, very cool. So that's the ride. Kelsey, are we getting something to eat after this? Are we going to meet some characters? What do you want to do? Um, I think we need to get something to eat. I'm hungry after eat. all that all right. web slinging. So, so do you want to sit down at a restaurant or you want to get something on the go? Um, um, I want to sit down at a restaurant. All right. Why don't we go to the PIM test kitchen? We talked about this a little bit when we were talking about the intro of, uh, what Avengers campus would be, uh, but now we have actual visuals inside. You can see these, uh, giant mustard and ketchup containers. It's meant to be like you have shrunk down into the size of a PIM yeah, uh, lab yeah, rat. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of great little accessories you can get all over the park, but you can get an Iron Man gauntlet, uh, the, the infinity gauntlet. They're not doing the Thanos one because you know, uh you're the iron man <laughs> uh it looks you know like a big chunk of plastic that probably costs way too much money but it'll hold your drink all day uh you can walk around the park with a literal glove to hold your drink um cool. and, and uh the nicest thing about the pim test kitchen is that all the food is either really big or really small or a combination of both so here you see a big chicken uh cutlet on a very small bun <laughs> Mm. and then you see tater tots that are even bigger than the bun so it's it's really playing around with this idea of size and like yeah, you know, yeah, just fun yeah. experimental stuff uh and then of course it's a test kitchen you got to have some tests taste tests and how about a beer flight uh so this is a very custom uh pim test kitchen beer flight as we know alcohol is now being served on disney property uh besides just epcot it used to just be epcot now it's all over the place uh so you see things like gaston's tavern and disney world now you see pim's test kitchen also has that um but kelsey let's say we are in a rush and we do need to get something on the go there is of course a shawarma palace stand where you can get authentic shawarma i'm just gonna cut to kelsey's face right there authentic shawarma a la avengers 2012 and of course, here's a picture of the shawarma. Looks nice, delicious, looks juicy. You know, the biggest worry, sometimes with street food, it gets really dry, but that looks nice and moist and delicious. Yeah. Um, oh so that's our food. My God. <laughs> so how about how about we see some characters, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, walking around the park, you might run into one of the Dora Milaje. Uh, they are walking out and about there to protect Wakanda slash Avengers Campus. Um, or... You know, you might want to just watch Spider-Man do his own thing and walk around and sling around uh, and crawl up and down. That is an actor uh, playing Spider-Man. But there was something that you actually brought to my attention on TikTok, and that is this, uh, the animatronic robot Spider-Man. And I'll let you talk a little bit about it since you did send me the TikTok. Um, So that up there in the air, it looks like Spider-Man swinging uh, webs and flying over the park. Uh, Tell us about that, Kels. Well, yeah, I mean, I just saw it in a video, basically, where they had, like, the actor, it seemed, start on the walls and climbing on the sets and everything. But then it cuts to the animatronic that I didn't realize was an animatronic at the time, like, swing through the air and kind of do this semi, like, fake Mm -hmm. crash. Like, oh, I landed on the roof, but that's okay. Like, he says something like, oh, I crashed, but it's okay because the roof broke my fall or something, like, funny like that. Yeah. So that's a robot. I mean, that's so cool that like this thing, because usually when we think of robots, we think like very stiff, 
kind of metallic kind of robotic yeah. movements. But here you've got some a robot, an animatronic that literally bends like a human being mm -hmm. um, in midair. Uh, and then, of course, he ends the show climbing down the wall. But if you have not uh, gotten your full fix of Spider-Man, you can meet him at a meet and greet. You can actually take pictures with him, line up uh, and take pictures, socially distance, of course, yeah. uh, with Spidey. And lastly, uh, you know, you do have people like Iron Man, Black Widow, uh, Black Panther walking around the park. But another huge uh, thing that they're promoting is the Doctor Strange magic show. Uh, which looks really, really cool as well. Um, I don't really know what that entails because no one's allowed to film it right now, obviously, because it's an attraction. Uh, but he has a magic show, and they did pretty well casting because he actually kind of looks like Benedict Cumberbatch a little mm, bit. Um, yeah, he does. So that was our little mini tour of Avengers Campus. Kelsey, what are your overall thoughts? Like, do you want to go? Like, this My looks... thought, yeah, we have to be on the next flight out like yesterday. Still. <laughs> yeah, so if you're listening to this Monday, Sunday, we actually took a flight. Yeah, so we're, we're in California now, so. I wish. <laughs> No, we definitely have to pick some dates to go because we got to go. We got to go. Yeah. yeah, we will do an exclusive podcast someday from Avengers Campus. <laughs> uh, we will go. We will spend the day filming lots of stuff, experiencing it all. And then later on at, at night, we will actually sit down and talk about it and what we thought about it. Uh, because it would be cool to actually get like an actual first hand look at it all. But, you know, yeah. that's a really nice tease. I, I, I'm very excited. The food looks good especially that shawarma you know the the mean greets look fun they all cast and and made costumes directly you know th with those actors in mind and it looks great uh, and the ride looks fun too so that's that and then also you have the guardians of the galaxy ride which has been there for years um which mm. replaced the tower of terror so it's a very similar ride to that but a lot more fun and less creepy which i think i'll enjoy because i hate that ride as is uh yeah. that's that's my big disney hot take is i can't stand the tower of terror i'll never go on it because i just one was enough i don't need to do it again yeah, I know. Um, yeah. So that is Avengers Campus. Any last thoughts before we move on to these new movies <laughs> that have nothing to do with the Avengers? Still, I think we've stalled enough. I think okay. we have to bite the bullet and uh, bite the bullet. jump now, into these films. We will say a disclaimer. These films were not very well reviewed, but we are our own people and we mm -hmm. are going to review them as us and uh, see what we felt about them. Um, I'm sure we'll have maybe some similar thoughts with one, maybe some differing thoughts on the other. Who knows? But the first movie we're talking about to finish up this X May, X June series, let's just say we filmed it in May. So it keeps the continuity. Um, Dark Phoenix, which we had a little bit of a you know question last week. Was it X-Men Dark Phoenix? Is it Dark Phoenix? It's Dark Phoenix. But later on when they released it for home video, it's now X-Men Dark Phoenix. If you're looking for it on like YouTube or on demand or something but we're gonna say dark phoenix uh because that is really the main focus of the movie uh kelsey tell us a little bit about dark phoenix dark phoenix came out in 2019 it was directed by simon kinberg and this is my synopsis after the x-men are called to rescue astronauts in space jean gray absorbs a mysterious source that enhances her powers her life and the lives of others are threatened when an alien race tries to use her to harness it. Yeah, uh, very good description. Um, so this was not very well received. And mm. I, I think, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about Apocalypse and how we were like, you know, I feel like we got enough out of this cast. And I think really the only reason they made a third one was because this cast is so good. Mm -hmm. um, I think we get a little bit of the same thing here where it's like, you know, we love this cast so much. We don't want to let it go. We want to just try to keep milking out every little thing we can. And now that we did Days of Future Past, we can retcon everything that happened in the original trilogy. And we can make Dark Phoenix again. Because in this new timeline, Jean Grey never turned bad and never died. 
um, and neither did right. Scott, and neither did you know uh, Professor X. It's a little weird uh, this mm-hmm. whole timeline thing, um, and I think that's one of the issues I have right off the bat is that whole like separation from the timeline as we know it, and just having to accept that this is a new story um, and a new arc. Uh, I have a huge issue with it that we'll talk about in a little bit. But Kelsey, what are okay. your overall thoughts to start off? Well, first and foremost, this is the Jean Grace uh, origin story, right? Yeah. So not origin story, but it tackles a little bit of her origin story in this kind of cold open we get when she's a yeah. young girl and she meets mm. this version of Professor X, James McAvoy. And to be honest, like these scenes with James McAvoy and the young actor playing uh, the young Jean Grey were honestly my favorite moments, especially the moment before she goes into the school and he just simply tells her like, She's like, I break things and I can't be fixed. And he's like, well, I'm not going to try to fix you because you are not broken. And it was just like these sweet sentimental moments that I was quite enjoying a lot. And what I like about this movie, I say like very tentatively. But what I do appreciate with this movie is that it gives us a look at Jean Grey. Like this is the movie that would have happened if last stand didn't also try to tackle the vaccine storyline do you know what i'm saying like yeah this is a movie that is 110 just about gene gray they don't try to mess with anything else which yeah. i appreciate i did too i like how it's kind of focused on a character rather than a group um mm-hmm. because i think the biggest issue that this franchise has come you know has had was that this is a movie about a group and so you try to get every little ounce of the group you know focused on but then some people who have more focus than others some people don't get anything at all some people are left in the background here it's like everyone's in the background except for her and it's kind of nice because now it's like you know we can dive deep into one character and really flesh them out well uh kind of like almost the wolverine movies did you know Mm -hmm. they kind of took wolverine and just did their own thing with him because they knew what they had and they knew they could capitalize it um capitalize on it um Yeah, and I think that's almost kind of what First Class did a little bit, where it's like very much Professor X, Magneto, and Mystique, and everyone else is kind of like, you know, side characters, you know, they really focused on those three before they brought people like Storm and Cyclops and all those people in, Um, but yeah, this one, I think, I think that was a strong choice, um, yeah, off the bat, Uh, but then, of course, you know, because there are other members of the X-Men, you do need to try to find a way to funnel them in. And I do think that's almost where it suffers the most um, mm-hmm. is because I feel like some characters like like Quicksilver, for example, he's in a little bit of it and then he's just gone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, what, did you forget about him? Was he just not available to do reshoots? Um, and we'll talk about that in a bit too, uh, yeah. reshoots, because that has a lot to do with this film as well. Uh, okay. Some actors just seem like they want to be there more than others. Magneto doesn't show up till an hour in and he's like yeah. one of the two, like we've been talking this whole time, McAvoy and Fastbender are like the two stars and we want to see them the most and we don't even get him for an hour. Um, right. And then they revisit this beast mystique love story that we, you know, kind of forgot about that wasn't yeah. around the past few movies and then it's yeah. like, this other relationship with Cyclops and Jean Grey, which is actually, I think, done a little bit better than the original trilogy. Mm-hmm, I feel like they sure. actually give Scott, Cyclops some stuff to do, Scott. Um, for sure. It's just really weird. And we have to talk about the moment that infuriates me the most, which is Mystique's death. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because they kind of build a little bit early on with her and and Jean to give them some sort of little relationship. So it at least makes some sense when she does die. But then it's like, of all the characters to die... This one makes the least amount of sense, even with the course correction of X-Men The Last Stand not existing. Now, 
the whole purpose of Days of Future Past was to save Mystique because later on she does something bad. So then you made that whole movie about her, like trying to get to her and yeah. fix her mistakes. And now she's dead anyway in this one. So she doesn't exist in the future, really. Now yeah. that you retconned it. So it's like, that's the weird part for me where I'm like, mm. so yeah, okay, we're, we're going to pretend the original trilogy doesn't exist. So Mystique can die here. But then again, wasn't the whole point of Days of Future Past to recon the past, to retcon the past because she is the reason in the future things go wrong. It was just so weird to me um, what ended up happening with Mystique. And I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that Jennifer Lawrence became a bigger movie star than these movies and didn't really want to be there and was just kind of doing her job, um, not doing sure. it for the love of it. Because uh, yeah. I do think she looks a little bored. You can tell the makeup is not as good. Um, mm -hmm. Like her makeup design in general is really kind of rough. And the beast, and it's not the the actual makeup department itself because Beast's makeup looks great. Hers doesn't. And I think it's just a fact of, you know, I don't want to be sitting in this chair for six hours to get my makeup. I want to sit here for an hour and then go do my job and then get killed off and go home. Right. Um, and, and a lot of reviews said that, you know, that she looked tired of playing Mystique. And it's just mm -hmm. like, when this whole franchise this new franchise is centered on the three of them it's like magneto mystique professor x are like the core three that you're set up with in first class it kind of feels like a you know the short end of the stick that she's not getting her full due but you know what are your thoughts on that like mystique's death and all that <laughs> the first thing that i wrote about mystique was um a very okay a, a very cold off-putting mystique that was the first note that I gave because the first thing, like they, the first time we see her, they're preparing the uh, for the mission to go and right. save the the astronauts, and she's just like, it's just very, she's very cold, off putting for like little to no reason. She's not like the peppy mystique that we left off of with right. like first class for, uh, let's say, where she was like you know, giving that whole speech that's like, forget everything you've ever learned, like you're X-Men now. Like she's very much less proud to be there and to be a right. part of the team. And maybe it's because Jennifer Lawrence is tired of being there. Maybe it's because as we find out later in the movie, you know, this is when Mystique and Charles really start differing about things because she says this line to him. She says, um, like by risking our people to save theirs, they're getting into this whole argument, you know, this, tail as old as time like <laughs> mutants like saving right. humans and they're not getting any respect or more uh appreciation from humans and they start to butt heads that way but then again we know later on that magneto and, and mystique distance themselves from professor x but now that she dies why do we even need to set that up that's you know that's what i'm yeah, saying yeah that's you know? true too like like that's they're setting too. up for for her and charles to have this tiff and i think that's good like I, if they, she didn't, if she didn't die, I think I'd like this movie a lot more. And it's not because her death didn't mean anything. Like when I'm watching it, I was upset. It like got a reaction out of me. But you know, when a lot of this, this story centers around, you know, the idea of, you know, Mystique and Professor X splitting and then Magneto and Mystique teaming up later in the original trilogy, when you ignore it so completely that like, even those moments don't really mean anything anymore. That's when it kind of sucks. And it's, I'm worried almost that they wanted to make a dark Phoenix movie, but then again, as much as they do want to make a character-specific focused movie, they still have those other team members to worry about. And that's where they yeah. try too hard to make another sort of plot. And it doesn't really work well. Um, yeah. Because well, like I said, Mag Magneto sh shows up later. And, and you know, like the team doesn't really... It's kind of the same thing. It's like Magneto and Charles aren't talking. And then they kind of have to work together. And at the end, they're like, ah, let's sit down and play a game of chess for old time's sake. And then if they made another movie, they'd probably be split apart again, you know? It's yeah. kind of following the same rhythm. Um, no, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah.
Yeah, what was most shocking for me, Dill, with Mystique's death is that her last words to Hank are, I love you. Yeah. And I'm like, huh? I said, what? what you right. do why didn't you say something sooner girl because <laughs> what's interesting is in first class we get a little bit of her and charles as a friendship from the beginning we mm -hmm. see when he's hitting on the girls at the bar she's got a little bit of jealousy but then when we see her hooking up with magneto in that film but then there's also that moment where she's kind of with beast but then they don't really talk about it for another few movies you know we didn't really get that and as we know later on she doesn't interact with beast at all in the third movie mm -hmm. um so, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, you're trying, I think they were just trying so hard to get some sort of emotional reaction out of it. And yeah. they just didn't fully develop that. Instead, they were focusing more on Mystique and Gene. And honestly, I think Gene and Charles was enough of a relationship to stay invested in Gene's story. I don't think you needed Mystique. Honestly, if they, they wouldn't have killed Charles, but I think if they killed even Beast. You know, mm. and then have that moment where he confesses love to Mystique, because then it's kind of like Mystique's like, oh, I didn't even realize he still loved me type of thing. That might have been stronger. Um, Maybe. Yeah, it's just weird choices made. Um, and I, I do think it has to do with Jennifer Lawrence just not wanting to be there. But I don't want to give her that, you know, flack because I don't know for sure. Um, sure. But you got to assume at some point these actors are like, all right, I'm ready to move on. And I, I feel like she was probably at the end of her rope. Um, even some of these actors like, like Sophie Turner, she, around this time, Game of Thrones was at a peak. So she or, or ju had just ended. So it's like, mm -hmm. she's now being a bigger star. Like she doesn't need this either. Like, mm -hmm. um, but she does commit. Uh, we also talk, have to talk about one other star that they brought in, which was Jessica Chastain yeah. as this villain. Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the villain uh, or the group of villains? Because I have a little theory uh, that's kind of been semi-proven, but not really. I, I want to hear your take first. Well, my first note about Jessica Chastain is, so this woman checks on her dog and gets killed. And that's the only reason why the villain is Jessica Chastain, because the <laughs> alien just so happened to stumble upon this person who happened to be Jessica Chastain. It wasn't because, like, Jessica Chastain was this mythical being, a mutant herself. Like, no, it didn't have it didn't have to be Jessica Chastain. It was just so it was so randomly. It could have been any Joe Schmo on the street. This alien decided to inhabit. Right. And of course, when you inhabit Jessica Chastain, the most Jessica Chastain acts in this movie is that first minute and a half before she gets killed. Because her acting in that is actually very good. You know, yeah. concern about the dog. But then after that, it's the same one note, bland. Like, you'd forget she was there. But then when she shows up, you remember she's there because she's so bad type of things. And she's a great actress. Love her in It, Chapter 2. I love her in uh, Zero Dark Thirty, The Help. All those roles, she is amazing. But... This movie, like Oscar Isaac in Apocalypse, they just don't serve her talents well. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that whole like idea of like the the you know monsters taking or the aliens taking control of a host body and be, basically becoming them and all that? I think it would have been more interesting if you're going to have an alien like take over someone's body. Like, why didn't they pick someone who was like centered around Jean Grey, like Scott? Yeah, like someone who, or like one of the other mutants, you know, like someone right. in the inner circle because they knew what Jean Grey looked like. They watched the energy source like uh, be engulfed by her, you know. I agree. Yeah, I, like I said, it's it's a weird choice. Here's my theory, and I think it's been semi-proven. I think okay. they wanted to introduce scrolls into this universe, but Captain Marvel came out. And they had scrolls and they said, shit, we got to do reshoots because we're not allowed to use that anymore. And I think it was legit legitimately a thing where they didn't know Captain Marvel was using scrolls. 
and they had to make a plan B. So wow, a lot of that, really? a lot of that stuff is gone. There's been a little bit of a, a proven word that they did have to reshoot some stuff after Captain Marvel came out uh, because, or after the, after the Captain Marvel trailers, because they realized it would be a little similar. And, you know, you do get some similar imagery, especially with Jean kind of floating around with that aura, uh, that halo kind of thing around her. Mm-hmm. Um, almost where she's like glowing. Like that's a lot of similarity to like Captain Marvel, but I don't think it's directly, I don't think it's too copycat, but I do worry or I do have a theory that maybe they were going to introduce this idea of scrolls and taking over people's bodies and all that stuff only for it not to, you know, only for them not to be allowed to do so. Um, Mm -hmm. That's my big theory because I do think there's something there with the villains and the alien Mm. species, but they really don't give us much at all. And I I just worry that it's because of reshoots and them needing to like, you know, kind of just edit some of that stuff out. And I think that's why the first hour works better than the second, because the first hour you get a lot of interesting stuff with Jean and like her relationships with people. And yeah, Mystique kind of sucks in the movie, but like, she at least has some sort of attachment to Jean and like her death means something to the group. But then that second half, it's, it's, you know, it's your CGI Palooza, you know, everything's just big effects and, and, and right. lots of, lots of cool action at times. Like I, I like the scenes where Magneto's kind of doing stuff and like ripping people's bones and like crunching them and inverting them and all that shit. And then, you know, like on the train, but overall, I think the second hour, second half or second hour. Yeah. Is, is very much like your superhero action. Very, by the books, paint by numbers kind of superhero yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I but, mean, I I will commend uh Sophie Turner for giving it her all in this movie. I think she really did like a good job considering oh, yeah. what she was given. Yeah, she's great. Joe Jonas is a lucky guy. That's all I'll say. <laughs> what I don't like about um Jean Gray's story here is her the dad. I felt like the dad moments were so random. And here's something that I wrote down later in the movie, but I felt like all the scenes went from zero to a hundred so quickly. Like they all like escalated like so fast. And then we were like Mm -hmm. back to zero again. And then it was like, Oh my God, this thing's happening now. Okay. New scene. Okay. Now I have to go see my dad. Like I know he's out there somewhere. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. If you thought for X amount of years that your dad was dead, or you were told that your dad was dead because that's what Professor X told you. First of all, you're a telepath. How do you not see <laughs> when someone's lying to you? Second of, second of all, you believe that he was dead and now all of a sudden you can feel him. And like, that's not a moment we saw in the film. Like we didn't see her like having a nightmare and then like, oh my God, dad, is that you? And then right. her waking up to then running into Scott being like, oh my God, dude, like I can feel, I can hear my dad. Like I, he's somewhere there. Like I have to go right. see him that would have made more sense to me than her just being like, I gotta go see my dad. Yeah. It could be due to like just reshoots again, like trying to like fill in some of the gaps that they needed to remove and then re-edit. I think this, this movie suffered the most from just like, I, I think a lack of vision of knowing like as character focused as it is, it didn't really know which directions it wanted to go in. The dad stuff is interesting because like, I think it's a cool trick on the audience to be like, no, he's alive this whole time. And he was the one who basically said like, She's a lost cause and a wanner and and Professor X took her in. It really helps Professor X's storyline, I think, mm-hmm. as this guy who kind of like cared for her. Um, yeah. But I agree. It's it's a little weird on how that comes about. It's like there are interesting moments here and there, but the connective tissue is like all over the place. Yeah, um, there's no, um, uh, what are they called in the body? Like ligaments? Cartilage. Yeah. 
cartilage. There's no cartilage between the bones here. We got bone on bone happening and it's just rubbing and nonsense. Yeah, I think ligaments also is, is something. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's I'm been a while a since fifth grade anatomy. Um, it's been a while since I watched an episode of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> oh, it's it's not. A lot of people hate it, but I like it. It's still good. Hey, I eat that show up. They sh- they serve me shit on a silver platter. I'm eating it up. Hey, have you been? So you're going to watch though, right? Well, obviously I'm not okay, all yeah, caught yeah. up with the latest season, but I was I'm gonna say, going to say, cause it just ended. It just ended Thursday, the season. So, okay. Um, well, I'm, yeah, I gotta, I gotta catch up, catch up. Cause no it's, I, I like it. Um, anyway, uh, but I, I get what you mean. Um, <laughs> that's just kind of like popcorn, like nonsense for the brain kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, I just don't think this one stuck the landing. I think it presents some interesting stuff, but it doesn't carry itself out well enough. I do think it's a better dark Phoenix story than X-Men The Last Stand. I agree. But as a movie, I think X-Men The Last Stand is at least more competently written and, and kind of pieced together. I think it's 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 definitely messy, but I definitely think this movie has, you know, it's just that second half is just so generic and almost boring to the point where I'm like, all right, you know, it's it's right on, on with X-Men The Last Stand, but I put it a tad lower just because... I do think X-Men Last Stand at least has really nice moments with other characters like like Wolverine and uh, Magneto and other stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to rank because I was entertained, but I was just like, eh, okay, yeah. Uh, do we get Gil, I love yeah. how you said how you described it as boring because literally one of my notes is this final scene is this final battle is lame. Everything that was going on in the train, I was like, this is lame. I'm bored. That's literally what mm-hmm. I wrote down while I was watching. Yeah. It. Another thing random... is the boring, the boring stuff is the stuff that's meant to be less boring. You right. Know, the boring stuff is supposed to be them talking and them being grief, gr- grieving and stuff. But that's more interesting stuff. I think in the movie is them talking about like, what are we going to do? And like trying to connect with Gene here rather than like here. And all this stuff is the stuff that's like, eh, you know, it's just boring. It's boring CGI stuff. You have to do something interesting and memorable and unique uh, to, to really come through uh but, right yeah. no i know what you're saying um another random moment that i had to take note of was this like kind of semi arc we get with kurt uh wagner yes. which is like him you know he's really just a teleportation guy we've never seen him be on the offensive side he's always on the defense right, right. and he finally has his you know moment of like oh my god i i have to start killing these people i'm gonna you know start using more of my powers using this spiky tail that I've got going on. And it only happens because he loses some random guy that he cannot protect. It's not even because it's like one of his team members like was in danger. And he's like, Oh my God, I have to save my team members by like, you know, murking this fool. It was like, he watched this random person die and was like oh my god this is the thing that unlocks my rage and my anger and this is the thing that wants me to get revenge i'm like this is such a weird semi arc for kurt to have like (laughs) i could not we could have not with this moment and he would have been fine you know yeah i agree um but i i still think the other few movies with him aside from x2 obviously i think he's almost kind of been so sidelined that you almost forget he's there but okay. here, at least, I liked how they kind of made him a very crucial part of the action. Like, like he was kind of the key to a lot of things. Like, in order to get from here to there, we need him. Like, yeah. I don't think they could have successfully accomplished anything in this movie without him. Um, so no, I, that's I think fair. We, 
I think we can transition to our MVP LVP because he was my MVM. He was my most valuable mutant. Wow. Okay, Dill. Because I do think we've kind of had him so sidelined these past few movies that to see him kind of like do something was so fun. And like, you know, him kind of disappearing and reappearing in different places. I thought that was really, really... I thought the most interesting action in this movie came from him. Okay. I think it's kind of kind of like what Quicksilver's been in the past two movies, Apocalypse and Days of Future Past. I think he was for this movie where it's like every time he was doing something action, I was like, I was I was wanted to pay attention to watch. Um, I agree with you. Some of the actual character stuff is a little weird, but I do like that they at least tried to make him a better character because I think still characters like Storm are really not doing much here. Uh, Quicksilver doesn't do much here either. Like I like how they kind of gave him a lot more to do um and just have a little fun um in a movie that is very dark and dreary and depressing but who was your mv who was your mvm i will say watching him teleport with one of the alien species and drop her right in front of the train and then watching the train hit her was very satisfying right like i will give him that they have some cool action with him yeah they make some cool cool. action sequences with him yeah so i guess i'll start with my mvm which Mm -hmm. was scott (laughs) okay yeah I, he was my backup too, because I, I agree. I really, I really liked him a lot. I thought that he was the only one who really had his whole heart and soul, not just like actor wise, like Ty, Ty Sheridan. I feel like this was his best performance as Cyclops in in these films, but also just like the character himself. Like he was like, you know, obviously he's in love with Jean Grey. So he's really gunning for her protection, for her safety, for her to, you know, not just like be saved and, and like, you know, he he was just gunning her and rooting for her the whole film. So. I think as much as this is not canon anymore, I think this movie makes me, will probably make me more invested in their relationship in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we've talked about that love triangle where it's very much like Wolverine and Jean and like Scott's there, but Scott's just kind of be there to be like the dick who's like, stay away from my girl. But when you see this movie, you actually see him, like when he's talking to the kids and he's like, you know, she's, she's good. She's still our gene. It's just, she mm-hmm. had a bad day or she had like a, a rough you know moment. She'd had a rough time. I think those moments are so important because we need to understand why Jean and Scott are together and why yeah. Jean ends up picking Scott over Logan. Cause she does, she does pick Scott over Logan in X two. Um, and I think that's important uh, in this film to see, even though it's not canon. And that's a, anno- that's another annoying part is like with the mystique thing, you're a hundred percent saying that this is not canon and like, we are not, dealing with the other films but i think this scott gene relationship is so good that i wish it did have some sort of relevance to the original trilogy um yeah i love their relationship and their moments um my lvm uh so lvm least valuable mutant uh, i could not pick jessica chastain's character who i believe his name is vuk vuk hey vuk i don't even even know he had a name she yeah oh right it's a it's a guy in her body i guess um i i couldn't pick her because you know she's not a mutant so i did go with quicksilver just mm-hmm. because he was such a highlight of the last two movies he was yeah. my mvm for apocalypse and one of my mvms for days of future past and here i feel like he might as well not have been in the movie and it's yeah. sad because he, he should be one of the most memorable moments of every movie all they needed to do was give him one sequence one and i would have been like great yeah but exactly they didn't even do that one thing so uh he's no. my lvm 
I completely agree with you. My LVM is also Peter Maximoff. And I wow. also included Eric in my LVM category as well. Okay. Just because he wasn't as cool and interesting as he was in past movies. He definitely wasn't as powerful. They didn't know what to do with him. They no, did they not, didn't. They did not know what to do with him. He didn't He didn't need to be in it. He needed to be in it because he was one of the best parts of the last three movies. And Michael Fassbender is so good. And mm-hmm. he had a contract. But he does not need to be in this movie. If he's not in this movie, the movie doesn't change. That's right. my opinion. I yeah one of my notes I literally wrote this down Dill was that I was missing Quicksilver in that final battle I was missing him where was he should have been there train. he could have done so much cool shit with the train no but I, done but so I do much think cool shit. they gave a lot of his cool moments to Nightcrawler which I'm not mad about but like yeah so there's that um how do you rate this out of 10 <laughs> I gave this a two out of 10 oh like you're low on it I mean, I guess I was just really angry as soon as I finished watching it. But I will say this. You put Last Stand a little bit above this one. I think I put this one a little bit above Last Stand. Because I just feel like Jean Grey had more control of her own storyline. Because that version of Jean Grey had to be sacrificed and die at the hands of Wolverine. A man. You know, Mm -hmm. like, this version of Jean Grey, like, got to decide her own ending. Like, she knew sure. like what was going to happen to everyone around her if she, you know, let this alien like inhabit, you know, all of her powers and everything. And she didn't obviously didn't want that to happen. And so she, you know, sa- sacrificed herself to save everyone around her to save the planet. You know, I, I liked that she was in more control and then it was more her storyline because, you know, obviously we, like we have to give it to them. Like as far as Marvel movies go, like this is the first one where like, I guess Captain Marvel came out a few months before this one, but before Captain Marvel, like this is one of the first movies where a woman was at the center of it, of it all, right. you know? So I have yeah. to give it that benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Obviously, I was going to say you did give, cause I have all the ratings written down. You did give X-Men last stand a five out of five though. So yeah. you can bump down that rating after, you know, after we see more movies, you know, yeah. sometimes ratings fluctuate. So you do put this, I put this slightly below last stand. So last stand, I give a five. I give this a four out of 10 because I do think, you know, it had a good intention of keeping it character focused. And I Mm -hmm. do like that about it. And I do like the character they decided to focus on and what they did with her. Um, And, you know, I like the Nightcrawler stuff. I like the Professor X stuff, even the Beast stuff. Um, But yeah, a lot of the other stuff just drags it down. That second half is just awful. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) it's like half half the movie, half the movie is like an eight out of 10 and the, or like a seven out of 10. The other half is like a one. So it's like yeah. you average it out to four. So that's how I went about it. Um, so let's transition now to the newest of new, the New Mutants um, from 2020. Uh, but they do have a very, very extensive history of release dates and stuff, which I will get into in a little bit. But Kelsey, give me your very brief synopsis uh, and any things you want to say. Off the All back. right. The New Mutants came out in the year 2020, directed by Josh... Boach? I can't read my own handwriting. Boone. 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 Josh Boone. Sorry, my O looked like a C. Um, Okay. (laughs) Um, Here's my synopsis. Danielle, a young mutant who has not unlocked her powers yet, is taken to a special mutant facility where she thinks she is being cared for and treated. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Um, and, And, you know, I've said from the beginning that 
the thing that gets in the way most of these movies is them trying to give every character a little bit of everything and then some characters get left out some characters aren't focused on enough this movie i think by having only four or sorry five central characters and one pseudo villain i mm-hmm. guess you can call her a villain it's six characters and honestly i feel like this is the best they've done at making every character at least feel like they've got something in the movie you know make every character at least has some sort of arc whereas every single movie we've talked about before has been like well what about this person wait this person was in it or this person what did they do or this movie i didn't have that and i was honestly invested in these characters i think there's there's a different the, the critic side of my brain is saying there are a lot of flaws with the filmmaking and the actual structure and the writing of this movie but then the other half of me is saying i actually connected with all these characters I, it made sense. It was an interesting topic. It was interesting to see this like facility, almost like a mental institution. It's just interesting to see those parallels. Like we've talked about with X2 and the parallels of homosexuality. We got a little bit of that here. We've got actual homosexuality, great representation. I like the cast. I like the characters. I like this movie. I, I think, I think it's one of those things where enough of it worked for me, where the other half of my brain is saying this didn't work for me. I like the, I like this movie. I like this movie, Kels. <laughs> Dill? Dill, is that you? Are you feeling is this okay? My hot, is this my hot take? I thought my hot take was saying Wolverine was my number three of all the series, but this, this is your this hot take, hot... I, I have to say. Really? Because you don't like this movie, I'm assuming. I didn't like any of these characters, Dill. I Whoa. didn't like any oh, of boy. them. Okay. I think the only one that I kind of... Okay, well, I like Charlie Heaton as an actor. I think See, that he does that, a great. He's he's my LVP. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man, carry on. Wait, that's on. so fucking funny. I'm literally looking at my notes, and he's my MVM. <laughs> that is so good. Because I think he <laughs> saves it for me. Honestly, okay. this movie is it because, because he's a good actor or the character. I think it's because he's a good actor. <laughs> okay, okay, that's because he does a great that job. Accent? <laughs> Listen, he tried his best. He's okay. from the UK. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Okay, great. Talk to me about him. I because think he is. I, I think this is interesting because the ensemble is so small that we can kind of talk about just each character individually. Uh, like, what did you think of him? I mean, him and like Maisie Williams, I feel like were the most interesting characters. Danielle, okay. I didn't connect with at all. I thought she was a horrible catalyst into okay. like this place because like we don't know what her powers is for like the majority of the film, which has which I guess is an interesting mystery that we kind of have to unlock. The bad shit that starts happening to them is like because of her. Anya Taylor Joy is that her name? Yes, the up and coming. Well, not up and coming. She's an established star now, but yeah. You love her and like everything else she does. Didn't like her character at all. Just like couldn't relate to her, couldn't connect. I mean, I I guess she had... It was just so bizarre, this movie, <laughs> Dill. It was just I'm so fascinated. bizarre. Yeah, what, what about it didn't work for you? It, so I think it just comes down to connecting with the characters because I think we can both agree. Let's talk about the things we could probably both agree on. The CGI is bad, I think. Sure. I think CGI is rough. The bear at the end looks okay, but the rest is like not good. Um, the script itself, some of the dialogue is a little too on the nose. Some of it's weird. I was watching it with my roommate, uh, you know, Dave, and he he was saying like uh, when when she does that thing, and then the other guy's like, "That was so hot." Like that kind of stuff is like, "Come on now," or, you know, weird yeah. one-liners like that that really just don't belong in the context of this. Um, 
I think another thing it suffers from is the fact that it seems like it could have leaned more into the horror. And I mm-hmm. would have liked more of a horror edge. It has yeah. some scary moments. I think the scariest moments come from uh, the monsters. I'm going to refer to their actor names that Anya Taylor Joy's character experiences those like kind of slender man things. With, yeah, like, yeah, open... yeah. It was weird because they're like wearing like almost button downs because they're kind of resembling of the men who treated her poorly in her life. And, uh, you know, the slender man's with a mask and then the big teeth. Like those were actually kind of scary. I wish they leaned in a little bit more to that. No, um, I agree. Throughout. Uh, but I do think there's a horror to that idea of, um, you know, being in this facility and having someone basically dictate your life and and this idea of euthanization, it's treating them like animals. I thought it was really interesting um, because we've never really, we've kind of tapped into that a little bit about, you know, the government wanting to take away mutants, but we've never seen it in the sense of like them actually like trying to like paint them as like almost asylum crazy type people and then sure. you know that angle yeah um, it's almost like one flew over the cuckoo's nest if it was a superhero movie okay uh, but i do wish they leaned a little bit more on the horror so i i do think it has its issues like it's not a perfect movie and it's it's not getting more than i'm not going to spoil my score but it's 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 very middle of the road but i do think at the end of the day it, am i going to say i liked it or disliked it i i think i'm leaning more a little toward like it because i just i like the characters um, but what, what what do you have to say about like all that stuff, like the writing and the CGI and all that? Like, I like, mean, I, I just there's a lot of things that I didn't understand about this movie because okay. we find out that Danielle's mutant ability is that she uh, like unlocks people's like deepest, darkest fears and like almost brings them to life or like right. brings them as, you know, as if they're coming to life, like to that person. So why is everyone under attack? by Anya Taylor-Joy's specific fear. Like, I feel like we should have, like, we we saw some stuff with the priest, with Maisie Williams' character. We saw Charlie Heaton get sucked down a heat, uh, a, a dryer or a washing machine for, right. like, a quick moment. And then, like, I guess, like, maybe the thing in the pool that, um, uh, I don't know his real name, but his, his, his mutant name is Sunspot. Right. Um, is like hooking up with and then she, it turns into like I guess his girlfriend that he accidentally that he set on fire mm-hmm. um, is his deepest darkest fear but then at some point they're all getting attacked by the smiley men and like I think that's yeah and I, I, I didn't get where... the bear and like the bear is like the main antagonist but it's but the also the antagonist was the woman who was like treating them or, or not treating them and 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 I, I don't know if you looked into this, but I looked into the Essex Corporation, which is the, okay. the thing that you know, the facility at the, that they're at. And the Essex Corporation owns Transigen, okay. which is the facility that created Laura and X24. Oh. So it's very loosely connected to Logan. And what okay. goes on in Logan. So it's like the same type of people who obviously don't believe that mutants like should be like roaming around. They should be, you know, experimented on, treated on, studied, things like that. So if you looked into that like I did, then you know right off the bat that this right. woman, I mean, like right out of the gate, you probably are thinking like this woman's not completely trustworthy. Mm-hmm. But then like after we see some of their like files and they're digging up information, it just felt like they were trying to put in like so many cliches, like one after another, like they had these horror moments, but then they had this like montage of like all the kids getting along and playing hooky and, and pushing each other in a wheelchair. And I was like, okay, so now we're like in a, in a teen rom-com, okay, coming of age movie. I kind of like that. 
because it's like we've we've seen a little bit of the coming of age with like Iceman and Rogue a little bit. Sure. We've never really seen them as kids like at this age. We've seen Laura at a very young age. That was the last little mutants we saw. Those are like little mutants. And then we've got like the the teen young adult teen mutants with like rogue and Iceman, but we've never seen like this age of mutants uh which i think it, those moments are interesting and i think mm-hmm. that's why i kind of appreciated this i didn't like it as a horror movie i think it could have been a lot scarier leaned into that but i do think the coming of age stuff is really good like honestly that relationship between the two i know you weren't connected to the main character but i did like their relationship um the i don't know their character names wolf girl and and uh I and definitely Ming. don't know Maisie Williams' name, but her name is Danny. Ben- Danny and uh, Wolf's Bane. So I, I, or her name is Rain. Um, but I, Rain. I did like yeah, yeah, Rain. Yeah. Well, yeah, Danny and Rain. I, I like their relationship, and I like that idea of like kind of discovering themselves as people as well as mutants. Um, and then all of us at the end, kind of coming together and saying like, "This is not what defines us, but we are not going to try to like." where our lives are not worthless because of it and it's kind of harking back to those themes that we saw in like x2 where it's like this is what we have and we're not going to let this kind of ruin our lives we're going to use it for better um and i think a lot of that is with danny like trying to figure out how to funnel her powers um and when she eventually you know when all of them eventually win at the end and go off i almost wish they didn't end it here because i do wish we see a little bit more with this group now that they're kind of a fully formed team because i do think the personalities are so nice um yeah i i I, like i said it has its issues but i I did connect to these characters and i think it's just a matter of whether you connect to the characters or not and i'm not saying everyone should because again the problem with having only six characters yeah you get a lot of each of them you get their full stories but if you don't connect to them, you don't have anyone else to cling on to. Like these bigger ensemble ones where it's like, well, Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler was cool. Or yeah, Quicksilver was cool. Here it's like, these are the six people in this movie. And if you don't like them, yeah, you're not going to connect. And I think that's kind of where you're at. And a lot of people are at. I know I'm in the minority, minority on this. So I just feel like they were trying to do too much at once. If they were going to do coming of age, do a coming of age movie with mutants. If you're going to do a horror movie, make it a horror movie if you know like it just felt like too much at once and i wasn't getting it i also didn't completely understand what anya taylor joy's powers even were because she could go through different dimensions but then she also had this sword arm i think it's kind of like the doctor strange thing where she can open a portal to another place and like kind of do that i think that's kind of like she's almost like the wong but she has like that cool arm like that's what i got um and, and i really like her as an actress and i think I like seeing her as this kind of like sassy girl, but I don't like, I, I wouldn't have liked it if they just kept her the bitch the whole time. I liked how they actually kind of humanized her and gave her a reason why she's kind of like this. Sure. Um, and that trauma of her past and, you know, all of her, um, you know, the stuff that happened to her a long time ago. And I, I like also with Maisie Williams character, the, the similar idea of bringing this religious aspect to it, like how being, you know, different and, and, you know, struggling with uh, devoting yourself to your religion and what it means to like kind of counteract that. And and it kind of, again, I'm bringing up the homosexuality thing because it's kind of a similar deal with that too. Like, what is it like to be different and where a group of people are are told they don't accept you. And, um, and then that ends up being her trauma is this idea of this, this priest that she, I guess, killed in a past life or a past time. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, we're definitely split on this. Uh, no pun intended, because Anya Taylor Joy was in that movie too. Split. Um, yeah, yeah, she was. Uh, but yeah, I, I think maybe also a little bit is is because I do like Anya Taylor Joy and Maisie Williams and uh, Charlie Heaton going into this. 
Mm. Um, I just like their actors a lot. I mean, he he was the one I, I kind of wanted a little bit more of like what exactly was his power. Everyone else's was a little more kind of what you were with Andy Taylor Joy. Him, okay. I was just kind of like, so he does he have super speed? Like what what is his deal? Um, I think essentially he like just turns himself into like a rocket. <laughs> okay yeah like that was kind of a little weird to me but i i did like him uh but yeah it's interesting because because this is a movie we'll never get the rest to and mm. that's what's kind of sad is because we won't ever get to see these characters develop so i think with the characters we have now if you don't have time to grow with them like you have had all these other characters you know it's not going to be the most memorable one for sure when you're looking at all these movies but then you look at logan and like Laura is still so memorable and we've only seen her in one movie. So I get what you're saying. These didn't make as big of an impact um, as that one did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, so not a fan, Kels. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't a fan of this one. I just like don't think I get it. Also because, and I think part of the reason, part of the problem was, and I wrote this down in my notes, I felt like people learned information like they would discuss things during scenes or they would like find out new information that was essential for the audience to know and just completely brush over it and i'm mm -hmm. like well what no one reacted to what she just said i feel like that was important she just revealed a lot you know and they would yeah. just kind of like brush over it and be like oh well we mm -hmm. got to move on to the next thing and honestly i think a lot of that also is due to the fact that it had a short runtime it's the shortest of all the x-men movies it's only 94 minutes mm -hmm. and i do think a lot of that maybe they could have developed that a little bit more. What I thought was interesting about this movie is that there were no reshoots. So what was filmed originally is what they had. And they, they, the thing is, what's interesting is they've recut it a bunch of times. So they had it, they made a cut of the film. People didn't love it. They recut it a different way. And then they eventually recut it a few more times until they had their final product. And I think that's interesting. And that's what I liked about this more than dark Phoenix is dark Phoenix. It felt like, there were some things that they had to take out and then kind of like compensate for where it's here. It's just like, it's all still the same story and the same vision and the same, you know, overall goal and objective of the filmmaker. It's just kind of rearranged in a different way. Uh, and, you know, we do leave some things, you know, some threads loose at the end, but I do like how it kind of does stay within the same vein of what the filmmaker originally intended. And I have to go through this because it's such an interesting timeline. Um, this movie was in development since 2015 it took five years to get this movie off the off, off and rolling uh may 13 2015 they hired josh boone who directed fault in our stars for this movie that's where we kind of see this coming of age stuff because you know the the two of them on the graveyard reminded me of like the fall in our stars where they're sitting in the grass looking up at the sky okay. um, at the time they were still working on apocalypse and deadpool which were set to come out that year and the next year um in april 15th of 2016 um Boone shared that he had finished the scripts script. Um, and then April 22nd, 2017, they said new mutants will be coming out a year from now on April 13th, 2018. Then May 11th, 2017, uh, they announced that Maisie Williams, Ani Taylor joy, uh, the, the two of them would be in the movie. So this was right after split right in the midst of game of Thrones. Maisie Williams was coming off a nomination. They announced she'd be in it. So right now we're about, 11 months out from the first release date. May 25th, um, they are talking to Rosario Dawson, Cory Booker's wife, uh, in negotiations to play... Cory Booker's wife. That is, like, the last, like, thing on her resume. I just... I, I didn't know it until the inauguration when I saw them together, and I went, what? So I, yeah, whenever yeah. I think of her now, all I think about is Cory Booker. Okay. Um, uh, she was in negotiations to be Cecilia, 
that was in May 25th of 2017. Then uh, May 31st to June 2nd, uh, they started casting uh, Sunspot. They cast uh, the lead uh, Blue Hunt as Danielle Moonstar. They cast Charlie Heaton uh, from Stranger Things. Now it's June 2nd. So now we're 10 months away from the release date. Uh, then June 29th, Dawson drops out and they cast Alex Alice Braga as Dr. Celia Reyes. September 16th, they finish filming. So now they have October, November, December. Seven months. They have seven months before it comes out. They're done filming and they are all so proud. Uh, and the guy who played uh, Moon, what, what's his name? Sunspot or whatever. Sunspot. Posted a whole Instagram about how great of a process it was, whatever. October rolls around. It's October 13th. So the movie's now six months away. Uh, Fox releases the first trailer. Great. December. Uh, it gets its first poster. It says it'll be out in April. That's five months. So December 2017. April of later, 2018? Yep. The, okay. the poster comes out saying it's coming in five months. January rolls around. They say we are getting a delay. New Mutants will now be in February of 2019. So it's pushing a whole 10 months. So now it's April 2018 all the way now to February 2019. This is because Deadpool 2 was moved to May of 2018. So they didn't want to, you know, make any mistakes. Because originally Deadpool was supposed to be coming out the same weekend as Infinity War. And they were like, no, 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 no. We're moving it a month. They moved that a month. So New Mutants okay. had to move a year, basically 10 months. March 26, 2018. Um, so now we're about uh, 11 months now to the new release date. And it's bumped six more months to August 2nd because of Dark Phoenix being scheduled now. Now they're like, we'll put precedence on Dark Phoenix. Mid-2018, word is New Mutants will undergo reshoots. The reshoots are made to make it more scary. I don't think those reshoots ever happened. March 20th, <laughs> um, Disney purchases Fox. So now it's like, oh, so there's going to be no sequel. Now we just kind of got to use what we have and try to get the movie out now because we might not get to release it. May 9th, oh. 2019. Now this, so wait a sec. May 7th, 2019. Um, is that the original release date? Okay. So somewhere, yeah, okay. So now it's bumped. I didn't even mention, oh yeah. So they bumped it to August for Dark Phoenix in mm -hmm. May. So this is, Three months before it's supposed to come out now. They push it to April of 2020. So now it's like we're getting pushed even more. Great. Now Walt Disney officially owns Fox. And they're like, we're still going to release it. Don't worry. But now everyone's like, oh, is it going to go to Hulu? What's it going to happen? Now it's April 3rd, 2020. Then January 24th, uh, screening New Mutants for the cast. The cast finally got to see the movie. January 2020. We have three months left till this movie comes out. Nothing's going to stop us. No pandemic or anything. <laughs> March 6th rolls around. Um, the director, Josh Boone, says, we are finally done. It will be coming out next month. March 6th. I don't know if you knew what happened after that, but movie theaters shut down. And Josh Boone re re says that everybody said we did reshoots. We never did reshoots. This is my film that I always wanted to make. So everyone's saying, then why was it delayed so much? Why didn't you just release it the first time? Yeah. Then it doesn't matter because the pandemic's here. And now they said delayed indefinitely. <laughs> so now no one knows when it's coming out. April 3rd, they finally said, we are now releasing Mulan. Black Widow did not mention New Mutants. 
Everyone's getting crazy. May rolls around. They finally say August 28th, 2020, it will happen. July rolls around. They have a trailer. And in August, even though theaters were closed, most places, it opened in theaters to no one because no one wanted to go to theaters to see it. I'm exhausted. To no one. That is the craziest release schedule I have ever seen, ever heard. They had a movie. They said they were going to reshoots, but really they were just recutting the movie because it didn't work for test audiences. Wow. Pushed, pushed five release dates. Finally, as a release date, pandemic hits. They drop in the summer. They didn't even drop to an audience. The whole funny thing is that no one saw it anyway. So yeah. that is oh a crazy history. God. So honestly, I think a lot of me deep down is just kind of like, I'm still rooting for you, New Mutants, because they did have a tough road. You know, they had it kept sure. facing delays, and the director kept sure. saying, no, we don't want to reshoot. I do appreciate the director, though, for being like, this is the movie I want to make. I don't want people to reshoot it. We'll re-edit it, but I don't want to reshoot it. And yeah. I like that, because they filmed it in, what, 2016? 2017, maybe? 2016? So how young were those actors? A few years later, Maisie Williams is much more of an adult than she was before. You know, these actors are significantly older, right. um, especially, you know, you know, for a, a movie about young people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they weren't able to reshoot probably because they all looked so older, so much older. She looks older in Game of Thrones season eight than she does in this movie, Maisie Williams. Yeah. So that's my rant. Not my rant, but that's my whole extensive uh, history on that movie. Wow. Uh, and why it is such a, uh, what do you call it? Um what, what's the word I'm looking for? Anom- no. Uh, Anomaly? Enigma. 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 Thank you. It's late, but I just read there's so many numbers. But this is why it's yeah. such an enigma and such like this this thing that people are like, New Mutants, New Mutants. There was a point where people were like, is it a real movie? Did it actually happen? Because um, I remember when it finally got released, the cast was like, finally, the release of our movie. And I thought that it was just because like it got pushed back because of the pandemic. I had no idea that there was this entire backstory to this It was supposed movie. to come out. It was supposed to come out when Deadpool 2 came out. That was the first release date. And we, were, we should have gotten this the same weekend as Avengers Infinity War or around the same time. But alas. Um, so... I think that is partially why I'm like kind of giving it a little bit okay, of the benefit of the it's kind of like doubt. an underdog. It's an underdog. It is. All and, right. You know, Disney bought Fox, so they can't make another one of these. They can, but I don't think they will because, it, again, pandemic, it didn't get any money at the box office. Um, and, and what's funny is Dark Phoenix did much worse at the box office because of the time it came out. Uh, this isn't even considered a box office failure because any butts in seats during the pandemic was a win, whereas Dark Phoenix, no one came to the theater and there was no pandemic. So, Right. I'd say Dark Phoenix was a bigger failure. But I've talked so much. Kelsey, what is your MVM and LVM? I, I think you said who your MVM was. My MVM, I said, was Sam, because I know that's exactly. your LVM. So my <laughs> my LVM, wait, I think I did this backwards. No, I didn't. My LVM is Sunspot. Okay. Because I just felt like he was the most neglected out of the five kids. You know, we didn't really understand that he didn't really reveal his past like the rest of them did until like much later on, but it wasn't like anything more serious or dramatic than like Charlie Heaton killing his father. And then like Anya Taylor joy, like we're supposed to believe that like these men like abuse her in some way, like maybe sexually. And like, that's horrible. And that's the, uh, yeah, that's like the, yeah, Yeah. exactly. 
Um, but I will say though, he he was kind of like the comic relief character that I feel like this movie needed. So at the same time, like uh, I'll give him some credit for that. And I will say my favorite moment out of the whole film, I was literally like out loud, like laughing, um, was when at the end of the final battle, he stands up from the rubble he's in and he he's <sighs> naked. So he takes a piece of concrete with him and he's just standing there like <laughs> holding the piece of concrete, like not even missing and being like concrete. It's heavy. No, yeah, concrete. it's fully concrete, but it's not he's not even drawing attention to it. He's just doing it so casually that I thought that it was perfect. I was literally like cackling out loud at that moment. It was the only thing that redeemed this movie for me. Uh, all right. Um, my LVM, as I said, is Charlie Heaton's character of Cannonball, just because I just didn't really understand. Everyone's powers were more clear cut, I think, than his. And I think his just he had the least amount to offer in like those fight scenes. And I just feel like him as an actor, I think because we've seen Stranger Things, we've been spoiled by a lot of his acting talent that where in this movie, I think he's not as big of a character as the three girls are. Sure. Uh, so I think he does get a little lost in the shuffle. He he just doesn't stand out for me as much as the others. My my MVP, um, it was tough because, again, I think it's based on the actresses too. I like them so much. But I did go with Maisie Williams as Wolfsbane. I like okay. her character a lot. She's a great she's a great person to really bring in uh, Danny into this universe. I think she was a really, really great, uh, pleasant character. Very warm, humble. You know, when you first see her, you kind of see her eyes in the vent. You think she might be like up to some shit, but it's really Ani Taylor-Joy's character who's kind of like the, not antagonist, but the kind of the person who's, you know, the opposition of, of Danny and, and kind of, you know, the mean girl. Uh, but Maisie Williams is the one, you know, you have a little intrigue in the beginning. You find out more about her. She's a cool mutant. She's got those cool wolf abilities. I love wolves. Uh, so I liked her a lot. Anya Taylor-Joy's character, though, I, I, I did like it a lot um, because I think her character is so unique because while she is sassy, I do think having those moments with her past coming in, it gives her a lot of rich, you know, substance as a character to make you feel like, oh, She's a bitch, but she has her reasons, you know? Sure. Um, and, and I love, I don't know if you knew this, but Ileana is Colossus's younger sister. So I think it's interesting. Colossus. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I put having, it together. Having him who's so stoic and like, I'm going to follow the rules and I'm going to do what everyone says. You know, I'm going to be the guy. She's just kind of like, fuck it. Fuck the rules. We're going to yeah. put that thing in her tea and we're going to have Negasonic a Negasonic teenage blast. warhead. She is essentially that, but a little, I think a little bit more thick skinned. Yeah. Um, and, and I like Colossus, you know, I, I do like that because you kind of see those parallels of like, you know, she's kind of been in her brother's shadow almost and they don't have to mention it. But if you know the comic book lore and if you looked her up on Wikipedia, like I did um, stupidly, because I always do that and I spoil things for myself like, oh, I hope this isn't a reveal later. And luckily it wasn't. But um, OK. Yeah, things like that, where I'm like, oh, I like that. So those would probably be my two MVPs, uh, just because I like their characters the most. They were the most intriguing to me. But Maisie Williams as the Wolfsbane was really cool. Um, I love seeing her in things, especially now that Game of Thrones is over. I'm like, oh, I want to see even more things, even though this was filmed years before that ended. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Have you seen Game of Thrones yet? Gotta get on it. I'm debating if I should read the books first. No, I don't think you should. Okay. because the se- Well, the thing is, the series surpasses the books like the books ended and then the series kind of kept going the books is he haven't coming ended yet. out with another one he's gonna finish the book series eventually oh. he just hasn't he's okay. taking his sweet ass time so and then the, um, like the tv writers i like, couldn't wait for a book to be finished so they were like oh yeah, we they, they didn't want to wait yeah so they just made up their own ending and some people don't like the ending i don't love it but i'm also just like whatever it's okay 
Um, but I do like the series and I, I, I think the most shocking moments of the series are also kind of in the books. So I would just watch the series. Um, cause I cause did those... recently just get into reading, so I wouldn't mind. Okay. Well, and Hey, we you have read... all of them in my house. Maybe read the first book. If you like it, keep going. If you're like, okay, maybe then watch a show. And then if you're into the characters, go back and read like the next few books. That's my, I'm suggestion. just really not a fantasy person. <sighs> you like Harry Potter though. And, and yeah, this but is all fantasy, that happened know? very late in life. Okay, but this is more like sci-fi, I feel. Okay. Well, yeah. You know? we'll see. Like fantasy, I think of like warlocks and wizards and like kings and princesses. And I'm like, eh. Okay. Well, then in that case, it might not be for you. But who knows? There are also zombies in Game of Thrones. So. Well, yeah. why didn't you lead with that, Dill? <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway. What is your score for New Mutants? Because I'm going to give something much higher than you. Should I should I do it first? Because to get your reaction out first. Okay, sure. Go I ahead. I give it a six. I get a six out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. I can't. I can't. There's no way. There's no way that this movie is on par with like the first X Men, and uh, I think we also gave Last Stand a six out of ten. I think we gave it a five, but. The no, is, we definitely gave it something like a seven. I gave a it a six. six and you gave it a five. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to go down to a five. No, 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 no not last sand. I didn't mean last sand. I meant, I meant first class. Oh, we, we both gave that a seven. I think oh, you okay. gave it even an eight or something. Uh, no, I think we both gave it a seven. Anyway, I think this is, when I think of five or lower, I think like if someone recommended it, I'd say no. If it's five, six or above, I'd say yes. This is very much at the bottom of that six, but it's still enough where I'm like, I like the characters. You recommend this to another human being? You should be on trial for blasphemy. Oh my God. Well, here's how I look at it. The movies I put it above, I put it above Last Stand. I put it above Dark Phoenix. I put it above Apocalypse. And I put it above X-Men Origins Wolverine. Those are the four I put it above. It's not above any. I, I I think that's it. Let me just check. Yeah, everything else is above it. The Wolverine, Logan, both Deadpool's first class, X Men, X Two, they're both above it. So like this is only above four other movies. It's still in my bottom five. Okay. But it's 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 below it's below the X Men. It's below the original. Um, it's below Deadpool two. You know, I I gave those both six out of tens. But you know, because I'd recommend them. I'd recommend this. I don't know. Okay. What do you give it? I want to hear. It. One. (laughs) (laughs) So this is your least favorite X-Men movie. Yeah. Wow. By far. By a long shot, I'd say. This is worse than X-Men Origins Wolverine? Yes. This is worse than Dark Phoenix? Yes. Yes. This is worse than Apocalypse? Yes. Okay. And is this worse than The Last Stand? Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, that's, that's what's beautiful about subjectivity. Is because there's no right or wrong, and it's you and it's me, and we're different people. Um, we both agreed on the number one, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Logan. Yeah, it's that's Logan. the one we got. Uh, and our number two is both Deadpool, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's all that matters. And then from there we differ. Um, so let's let's first fit in Dark Phoenix because I think this one will be harder. Dark Phoenix, um, you gave a two, <laughs> I gave a four. I think that's putting it a little bit on the bottom. Let's start from the bottom. Is it better or worse than X-Men Origins Wolverine? I say yes. I think yes. Okay. Is it better or worse than Apocalypse? I yeah, I think it's better. Yes. Okay, great. Is it better or worse than Last Stand? I know you said yes. I'm saying no. 
I'm going to stick with my guns here. I think it's better than Last Stand. Okay. Is it better or worse than X-Men? No. It's not better than X-Men. Okay. So it's either going above or below Last Stand. Um, I Last Stand has Wolverine in it. <laughs> okay, but I'm saying like the reason why I liked it because there was no Wolverine in Dark Phoenix. I know. And Wolverine's my favorite. So I'm, I'm like, that's why it's lower. I don't know. I are we gonna coin flip it? I don't think it's worth it. Let's put it above Last Stand because at least they had a focus on who the main character was, and they I, I agree they kind of focused it on Dark Phoenix and not on the other stuff. I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, but now the New Mutants. See, so it's your worst. So now yeah. we got to figure out are how far are you willing to compromise here? Because right now. I think it's better than Dark Phoenix. I don't think it's better than X-Men. So it's below X-Men on our list. But is it below Dark Phoenix, Last Stand, Apocalypse, and X-Men Wolverine Origins? Here's what I'll do. It's lower than all those for you, but let me know how high you will put it. I will put it above Origins and Apocalypse. You're not going higher than Last Stand? I'll put it above Last Stand. It is not going above Dark Phoenix. That is where I draw the line. All right. I honestly, that that's higher than I thought you put it, so I will put it there happily. Um, it sucks for me, but, you know, here's the thing. It's my number nine. It's my number nine out of 13, and we have it here at number 10. So I'm not that disappointed. Um, I would have had a little bit of difference, but I, I think I'm very happy with our final ranking. Um, so before we, we share our final ranking, are there any last-minute changes? Now that we've watched all 13 X-Men movies, are there any last-minute changes you want to make to this ranking? Let's start from the bottom. Origins, Apocalypse, Last Stand, are those our bottom three? We're sticking with that? Yeah. Okay. New Mutants and Dark Phoenix are next. These are the two recent ones. Better than mm -hmm. those three. Um, then we like X-Men and X2 there next. Mm-hmm. All right. And then we have Wolverine, Deadpool 2, First Class. You're good oh, with those. Oh, wow. Wait, wait. You're going too fast. Hold on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Wolverine, Deadpool 2. Mm -hmm. First Class First is class. at number four. Are you good with that? Yeah. Okay. I'm, and then I'm number th right now we have three is De Days of Future Past, two is Deadpool, one is Logan. Are we like solid with that list? Is there anything you want to change? Let me look at it in all its glory. Okay. Anything you feel is too high, too low, that you need to like actually debate me on, or is there anything I think? I mean, no, I, I feel always... really good about this still. I think you? we nailed it. Okay. So, without further ado, here is our ranking for all thirteen X Men and X May series. At number thirteen, X Men Origins Wolverine. At number twelve, X Men Apocalypse. At number eleven, X Men The Last Stand. At number 10, The New Mutants. At number 9, Dark Phoenix. At number 8, X-Men. At number 7, X2. At number 6, The Wolverine. At number 5, Deadpool 2. At number 4, X-Men First Class. At number 3, X-Men Days of Future Past. At number 2, Deadpool. And at number 1, Logan. Now I'm going to have another challenge. So this is the wrap-up of X of our X-Men X-Men right. series. Lay it on me. Who is your MVP and LVP of the entire 
franchise. I want you to think about it. I want you to just ponder it. Maybe maybe go through your notes a little bit as I talk a little bit more about this Hank's, Hank Pym's test kitchen and how as good you, that chicken sandwich looks. What's up, Kelsey? <laughs> you have an answer for this? Yeah, I do. Okay, my LVM and my NBM for the whole thing? For the whole series, just like consistently. It's and so and, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pick anyone that's in like one movie. I'd, I'd pick someone who's at least in a few different right. movies. Uh. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, we don't have to do this. I thought it would be a fun challenge, though, to no, kind of cap it all it. off. Just give me a second. <laughs> Speaking of F-bombs, uh, I'll, I'll talk while you're still working on that. Um, Scott Summers has just an F-bomb in the middle of Dark Phoenix. He very prominently... If you touch, if you do anything to Gene, I'll fucking kill you. And I'm like, whoa. And I realized the PG-13 rule is you can have one. Any more than one, it's classified as R. So they have Wait, one. I completely missed that. Yeah. Anyway, keep 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 doing it. I'm stalling a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry. I'm wearing, I'm wearing a Yankee hat because I went to the Yankee game uh, Friday night. It was not a success. We lost. We lost again Saturday. I don't know how we did Sunday because we've recorded this before Sunday. I hope they won. If they lost, it is what it is. Red Sox will be back here in July. We'll beat them then. I'm not worried about it. Um, I went with my two roommates who are Red Sox fans. One is a Red Sox fan. One is a Royals fan turned Red Sox fan, which I think is okay. even worse. Yep. Okay. We ready? Yeah, right. I think so. Okay. Who is your LVP of the entire X-Men? Stop saying friend? LVP. Say LVM. Sorry. LVM. Sorry, they're not players. They're mutants. Least valuable mutant of this entire franchise kelsey okay so this was very much a gut reaction because i was okay. clearly on a time limit here you are not i could have rambled about the yankees for however but i know but i didn't want to waste anyone any more time <laughs> um my lbm just like in the gut told me right 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 in the ribs right below the ribs is hank okay and why <laughs> because I just, I mean, his most interesting stuff is during first class. And then even though his character is in the original series, in the original trilogy, and in other movies, he's boring in everything else. He's only good in like one movie. And I think that goes to, that goes to say what you've, what your problem's been with this whole franchise is that they don't know how to showcase an ensemble cast well. They just mm -hmm. don't. So yeah. he gets very much forgotten and neglected as the series goes on. And then the last thing that we see of him is that Mystique confesses that she's loved him on her deathbed. And that's right. the most interesting that thing that's happened to Hank since Avengers First Class. Avengers First Class? Am I <laughs> unwell? I think I've, I think I've been sitting in this hot basement for too long. <laughs> it's very warm here, too. You, you probably hear the fan the whole time. But I'm like, oh, I don't have an AC yet in this new place. So I'm mm. just like, oh. Oh, and what it was hot sleeves. today. It was hot it was today. Hot. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, but X-Men, first class. Excuse me. So he's my LVM. All right, my LVM, it's Scott. As much as they okay. do pay I kind of saw his, that coming. As much as they pay off his character a little bit in Dark Phoenix, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things when he is given such a short end of the stick in the X-Men franchise. He's literally just there to be kind of Wolverine's, not nemesis, but like, kind of the obstacle in the way between him and Gene, even though that relationship's not really well fleshed out. They don't flesh out his relationship with Gene. They do in this franchise, but again, Apocalypse is just so boring and forgettable, and Dark Phoenix, I think, is more or less the same that I'm not even, like, Scott 
can't even save those movies. And he's in X-Men Origins Wolverine, and he does nothing in that either. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in it, and they totally waste his character there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, an honorable mention was Beast for me, uh, okay. as well uh, as, well as um, oh man, I'm blanking on the name, uh, as Storm. As well as Storm, oh, just because yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. they're, they're kind of same thing. They don't always know how to showcase them the best, but I do think their best moments are better than Scott's. So there's that. Who is your MVM for this franchise? I mean, I didn't want to be basic, and I didn't want it to be easily guessed. There are but, two basic, yeah, answers. But I think it's it's Logan. Yeah, yeah. I picked someone else, but like, yeah, it, it is. I, again, like it's it's the basic answer, but. It's it's true. I mean, he's the most interesting. I think besides uh, um, Michael Fassbender, who's he who uh, 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 who gives out a standout performance in these films. You know, Hugh Jackman just kills it every single time. And you know what's really uh, great about him, and that we haven't really mentioned at all throughout this entire series, was his performance of Logan slash James slash the Wolverine is so consistent, no matter what year the movie came out no matter what timeline logan was in or or like you know timeline that hugh jackman himself had to keep track of his logan has always been consistent and like has always been like a great like grounding point like if you don't like any other character you're gonna like logan it's impossible not you know Mm -hmm. so my my mvm is kind of along the same lines i went with professor x just because i think his moments in every trilogy we've talked about every show we've talked about except for deadpool because you know it's such an enigma uh, that was like the other basic answer i think is like deadpool if you want to be like edgy and cool like it's i was going back and forth between uh logan yeah. and deadpool yeah i mean those are like the two obvious like crowd favorites but i do think yeah. x professor x original trilogy he's kind of just the man in chair but he does have some interesting moments uh in all three movies with magneto and with the group but he is kind of like the mentor he's like the nick fury but he still does a good job at that in this beginning trilogy, I think James McAvoy has the most interesting arc. I think it would have been Magneto had this last two movies, I think, stuck the landing better, Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix. But I think mm. even James McAvoy in these two movies gets a lot to do. I, I love in Days of Future Past that whole idea of him, like, taking that serum to be able to walk, but then having to, like, trade his powers for it. I right. love in First Class those last moments when he does get shot and how that much that affects him. Uh, and then in Logan, when we see him older and we see how he kind of, like, has let all this affect him and how he's almost been responsible for the loss of all these people. Kind of like what they talk about in dark Phoenix, how he's kind of responsible in a way for Jean, as much as he tried to help her, you know, there are moments where he does blame himself and people do blame him for what happened to mystique and all these people. So I think it's really interesting to see his whole growth across this whole franchise. Um, Going into Dark Phoenix, it would probably be Magneto, but I don't think they used him well in Dark Phoenix. And mm. I just love both those characters so much. And Logan. Logan's great. Uh, just X-Men Origins Wolverine. Just I, I hate it so much, but I think he is great in it. He was probably the runner-up here. But any of those, Deadpool, Magneto, Logan, Professor X, those are really the four characters you get the most from. Um, and Jean Grey, too, you get a lot from. I think those would be like the, the five you know, leads of this franchise. You know, um, So, yeah, there it is. We did it, X-Men. We did Woo-hoo. it. Oh boy, did we do it. Whose powers would you want the most? I'm just spitting out cool, fun questions now that since we'll never talk about X-Men again until uh, Disney decides to put them in the MCU. <laughs> I mean, I think out of... Uh, I think Jean Grey. I think being like telepathic and then also doing 
cool things with like mind control and stuff would be like super cool and, and useful. I just want whatever, like whatever as close as I can get to Wanda Maximoff's powers I can get to. So I think Jean yeah. Grey is like the next best thing. What about you, Dill? I'd, I'd go Quicksilver just because I feel like my my biggest thing is that I hate public transportation. But okay. I, lo- I love to travel. Like I love to go to different places and I love that. But like long bus rides or like very crowded subways and like bus trips home, like I hate those. So I just wish I could just be like, I want to go home and see my parents. Great. Boom. I'm there in Boom. five minutes. I want to go podcast with Kelsey. I'm there in five minutes. If I want to go to the West Coast and podcast with Crosby, I can be there in 10 minutes. You know? Oh, Crosby's from the West Coast? He He's from the West Coast. He was here for college and he's back on the West Coast. So, um, and I, did, I do have to make a disclaimer for all those people asking where the Great American Film Off was this week. It's because I've been moving and my schedule is crazy and it never lined up with Crosby's on a regular time to record because I was moving the day we normally record it. So it will be coming next Friday. Uh, but thank you all to vote, who voted in the polls. Uh, I guess this transitions into where you can find us. You can find me at Dill, uh, Dylan underscore Randazzo Twitter, Dylan Randazzo 417 at TikTok, and the Dill Pickle Movie Network here on YouTube. Uh, all the time putting out good videos. We are in the midst of a 2011 retrospective um, where I'm just basically looking at movies from 10 years ago and seeing how they hold up now. Uh, X-Men First Class is the representative here uh, of the 2011 movies. Uh, it was a movie in 2011 and it ranked number four on our list, which is really, really great. So it's the fourth best X-Men movie according to us. So that was that part of the retrospective. I'm going to have a review for Bridesmaids coming out later this review, uh, later this week, talking about how it holds up over time. I'll be talking about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows in a little bit. I'll be talking about Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. A lot of interesting movies that came out in 2011. I'll even be doing a video on Cars 2 and why it's the worst movie ever made. Um, <laughs> and of course, you can find me doing other shows like Framewreck, Great American Film Off, we're doing a Tom Hanks episode. And of course here, every Monday, because guess what? Loki's coming this week, so we will be talking about Loki as well. So you've got a lot of cool things happening. 2011 retrospective, all those shows. Stick with us at the Dill Pickle Movie Network. If you're listening on audio, thank you. Head over there. Kelsey, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram, Kelsey A. Kilpatrick. You can find me on TikTok at Cause13, or you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Cause Productions, which has fun stuff coming, finally. Anything you can tease for the viewers? Um, I think if this comes out on Monday, I think I posted a video yesterday called Gen Z versus Millennial. So if cool. you're in the weird Zillennial group like Dylan and I are, maybe that'd be a fun video for you to check out. I was going to say, Kelsey, my favorite TV show of all time is Survivor. And one of my favorite seasons is called Survivor Millennials versus Gen X. And it's two oh. tribes. One of them is younger people, one of them is older people. And uh, if you had to guess, who do you think wins? Do you think a Millennial wins or do you think a Gen Xer wins? I think... Uh, honestly, <laughs> millennial. You'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I'm uh, you watch that it's 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 one of my favorite seasons of the show, though. So I I'll recommend that. Uh, for anyone li- out there listening, watch Survivor because season forty one's coming. A lot of great stuff is coming, and we'll talk about it on the channel. I also do reviews for Quiet Place Part Two, which I put in the cards earlier. Did a review for the Friends reunion. It's a good time. I might be doing a video on Cruella and Disney remakes soon. Who knows if I have the time. Who knows? Time is crazy. I moved in. We're all good. It's always a blast. Kelsey, thank you for joining me, as always. Um, I know it was a late night for you. Long day. uh, But you're getting this in Monday morning, everyone. So it's not a late night for you. It's a bright and early morning. And we're happy you joined us here at Marvelous Movie Mondays. Any last words, Kelsey? No. 